All right, I want you to get, I want to have you imagine with me for a moment, all right? I want to imagine you're in your mid-40s, early to mid-40s. Some of us would love to go back there, right, you know? Early to mid-40s, you're, you're a salesman representing a decent company, having a pretty good career. You've got an old college buddy uh, that got out of school, you both graduated at the same time or whatever, but as, as they... They launched out, they started their own business. First it was small, whatever, but it's become highly, highly successful. Literally got thousands of people who work for, the church, for their business now, and they've gone public, and this guy's got more money and power and opportunity than he knows where to shake a stick at. And, and over the last 12 to 24 months, you've been cultivating a relationship with him because you'd love for them to become one of your customers, right? Because, you know, if, they, if you were able to land this account, it would be the biggest account that your, your company ever had, and it would move you to the top of the pecking chain, and would really, in many ways, would be the security that you needed to move forward. So you've been interacting with this guy over a number of months, and you get, you get, a, you get an invitation from him to come and see him. And, and you think, all right, the moment has come, you know? And so you, you walk through the door, you, you know, you got your... Your, your laptop with you, you're ready to sharpen your pencil, you're open, you can close the door and, and make this deal happen. And, and when you sit down, you know, the, this friend of yours who's the CEO of this huge company can really kind of pull in all the strings that you would really love to have pulled so that you could be successful and say, you know, we've known each other for a long time, right? He said, you know, and, and he said, you know, I, I mean, obviously the Business has gone well and been successful, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, my, my life's just not very good. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm really not all that content. I my, my marriage isn't all that great. My, my kids are not necessarily heading in real positive directions. And, and, and I don't know. I just, I just, I, it just doesn't feel right. I'm just not very happy. You know, and I've known you for a long time, and you seem like you've got it together. You know, you, you know, it, it, and what, what advice do you have for me? I mean, first of all, you're floored, right? I mean, you're, you're, you'd be sitting there, you'd be thinking, what? And, you know, and, and you're trying to retool and get back to this place. And, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you just have this sense in your spirit that what you ought to say, you know, well, I got to tell you, one of the things that's made a huge difference in my life is being connected with the church. And I think you need to find a good church to go to. I think that'd make a lot of difference. And this guy looks back at you, not questioning, not challenging, not trying to push you away. Someone says, well, why? What, what, what can the church do for me? What, what does it have to offer that's going to make my life better? How would you answer that question? And that's not a rhetorical question. That's a real-life question. Jeff, I don't know if this has happened to you in your military career. You had a general say, you know, what, are, you know, what, what do we say? When we say, you know what, you're finding the good church. What's, what's the answer to that question? What, you know, your, your friend says back to you, well, what, what, what's the church going to do for me? Why, why do I need to get connected with a church? What would you say? Okay. So there's a sense of, you know, you, it's a place that maybe you can connect with God. Okay. Okay. Helps us, helps us keep life in perspective, right? And, and, and know what our purpose is, Okay. Okay? It's a place to find relationships, friendships, 
Okay? Grace. Just some of the encouragement and support and acceptance that we need. Okay? Okay? So it's a place where you can learn some things about God and how God can play a role in all that. Okay? So the assumption would be that it's in the church. They can find Jesus, right? It's a good place to start looking for him. At least it's supposed to be. <laughs> Anything else? Okay. Accountability. Just having people who are in your life that aren't going to go away and they're there to, to really be, be there for what's best for you. Place to find the truth. Okay? Now, your answers are very similar to the first services, and, and I think that's great. And, and they're really, in many ways, the same answers that I would give. It's interesting that you, you guys didn't give the, the textbook answers, like, well, you know, the, the mission of the church is to disciple people and worship God, and et cetera. And all of that stuff is true. But when we break it down, what really matters most is how does this personally connect with me? But underneath all of that, when you talk about relationship, you talk about truth, you talk about finding God, all that kind of stuff, well, well, why is it that the church is the place where you would want to have a relationship? What, why is it that the church is the place you should want to be hearing about truth? Why would you want their truth? Those kinds of things. And I'd like to spend just a few minutes talking to you about this because, you know, we're, we're, we're doing our fall launch, right? And, and we are in a baptized version, we're trying to encourage you to take some steps to get connected to the church. And I want to spend a couple of weeks here before we get into our, our series um, coming up at the end of September, uh, Key Choices to a Great Life. Some of you yesterday received in the mail a, a mailer that looked just like this, or maybe you're arriving on Monday if you didn't get it yesterday. We, we mailed this out to 16,000 homes in our region. So it went out to a lot of different places. And, you know, part of the assumption is, is that People should find something in the church that's worthwhile coming to. And with that, we're doing what we can to try to lower the barriers to help draw them. Well, what is it? And so I, I want to spend just a couple of, of weeks talking about the church to make sure we get church, what it's supposed to be really about, right? And why it has value. Why, why it is that your friend who's got this incredibly busy schedule, traveling all why they should make time in their life to be connected to the church. And I want to use a passage of scripture from 2 Peter. So I'm um, 1 Peter, I'm sorry. So if you take your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. You're going to find our text today beginning on page 1028 if you're using one of our pew Bibles. If you brought your own Bible, not exactly sure where 1 Peter is, just go to the back of it, to the book of Revelation, and just sing the kids' song backwards. So you go from Revelation to Jude, and then 3, 2, and 1 John, then 2 Peter, and you'll find your way right into 1 Peter. So, and I really can't recite the minor prophets in order. I've got to work on that so, so that uh, Asher doesn't have anything on me, you know, as we move forward. Peter, you know, just a little bit. Some of you know the stories of Peter. Peter is the bold fisherman. He's the one who's not going to deny Jesus when everybody else is. He's the one who's bold enough to climb out of the boat in the midst of a storm and be, try to walk on water as Jesus called. You know, he, he's just... He's a bold, feisty guy, and, and he's developed this relationship with a group of churches that are 
way up in, in a corner of the Roman Empire and, and a long way from Jerusalem, a place where we don't have really any written record of any of the apostles ever going to. And, and their lives are beginning to change, and, and he's speaking to them about how to be ready for that. And in this passage, he, he, he lays out a foundation why they should process this together, why they should be in it together. And so as, as he starts the chapter by really probably wrapping up some stuff that went with what was in chapter 1 about putting away all wickedness and deceit and hypocrisy, all these things that would divide them. And they should come together like newborn infants, desire the unadulterated spiritual milk of the Word so that you can grow it by it in, um, in respect to their salvation. And then he picks up with a passage that I want to focus on today. He says, coming to him, and him there is a reference to Jesus, or some of your translations use the word presenting, present yourselves to him. I think that's a great translation, but coming to him, a living stone. Jesus isn't dead. He's not gone. He's alive. He's a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God. You yourselves, as living stones, in other words, pieces of Jesus, if you will, are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Look, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and a valuable cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. There's a word of confidence. If we build our lives on the rock and we become a part of that rock, we're living stones along with him, will never be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for the unbelieving, those who are outside of the faith, the one, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone. That which they reject, God has actually brought in and given the place of preeminence. And because of that, it's a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that trips them up. They stumble by disobeying the message. In other words, they disbelieve. And they were destined for this. But you, talking back to the church, those who have been brought together as part of the living stones, connected to the, 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 the stone, Jesus Christ, but you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Those were all references or words that were used to describe the, the, Israel, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. They were the chosen people. They had a role in being the royal priesthood, the people who were connected to the king of kings. And with that, they were called to be a holy nation, a people for God's very own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He said, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So I, I want, why the church? Why, why is the church the group of people that it's really valuable to have a relationship with? To have them in your life, have a place in your life where they're not going to run away, that accountability, that encouragement, that support, that grace, that forgiveness, that understanding. Why is a church valuable with that? Why is it the place that you want to learn about the stuff that really matters both here and for eternity? How is it that you can trust the church with the truth, if you will, to speak into your life? 
Those are the kinds of things that Peter begins to get at in this passage of Scripture. And so as you're interacting with whoever God may bring into your life, part of the reason why you should be saying to them, you need to get connected with the church. Part of the reason why they need this community, part of the reason why you need this community, part of the reason why we need to create this community under God for our community that's around us is because the church is comprised or creates a unique community that you can't find anywhere else in the world. With all the other different organizations, agencies, all that kind of stuff that are out there, there's a lot of great stuff. We have neighborhood groups and this and that and senior centers. And, and, and there, those are wonderful environments, but it is in the context of the church that you find a unique group of people. Because it's only in the church that you find people who know God personally. That you find people who have come to Him and now have become living stones or a part of Him. And in this, they have this, this relationship, this connection with God. And you, there's no other community in the world that is comprised of a group of people who know God personally. And, and the reason they know God personally is because they have been changed by God. Once they were not a people, but now they are a people. Once they hadn't received mercy, once they hadn't been forgiven, but now they have been re received mercy. They've been made into new creations. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, anybody who's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old passed away, the new has come. The reason why the church is the community that you need to be connected with is because it's only in the church that you find this unique group of people who have been changed by God and know Him personally. And boy, that's the kind of church we ought to be. It's interesting, when, when Christina and I moved back to Massachusetts from Texas, you know, we grew up in Massachusetts, went to Texas for seminary and came back, and, and we, we lived on, in Rockland, Mass., while we were trying to plant the church in Hanover, Mass., and planted a little church called Fellowship Baptist and et cetera. And so we lived in, in, in this street on Belmont Street, and both of our kids were born there. And so by the time we left, they were five and three. But by the time we left, they were big enough so that, that you know, they, they were mobile and vocal, right, you know, as three- and five-year-olds can be. And across the street from us was Officer Ed. You know, we, we, there's a guy who lived across the street from us, he and his wife, Beverly, and, and, uh, and he had been a police officer in the town of Rockland for over 25 years. You know, and so, you know, he'd pull up sometime in his cruisers and, and, and the kids would jump up on the couch looking out the front window and in the warmer weather when the windows were out, Officer Ed! And he'd get waving at him, you know, that kind of stuff. And he'd be wearing his gun and carrying his, all that kind of stuff, all these cool handcuffs and that kind of stuff. And so the kids just loved all of that stuff. But I remember this experience. You know, we, we got friendly with them over the seven years that we lived there and really saw God do some things in their lives. And, you know, both he and his wife were divorced and they had been Roman Catholics by background and really felt isolated from the church and began to take some steps and saw some things going on. And he was talking to me about some of the spiritual things. But this was all before this. That was all stuff that happened after our conversation. And I, I remember, you know, he, was, he, he really didn't know what to do with us, right? Here, he, you know, here I was, I was 26 year old, years old. We were trying to plant this church. We were meeting in a school you know, my office was in the, on the back porch, you know, and it was just like, what kind of a church? He didn't really know what to do with us. And, 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 
And he, he's talking to me one day, and he says, he says I don't know, it's kind of incredible. He said, you know, I've, I've been a cop in this town for 25 years. He said, and, and over that time, I, I've arrested a lot of people and put them in jail. And some of these guys, you know, they were 18, 20, 25, 30, whatever, and, you know, they beating their wives, doing this or whatever, drugs, whatever, and, you know, I arrested them, and they, and they were sent to prison, and they got out, and, and then, he says, and now they've found Jesus. He said, and they're witnessing to me now. I mean, I arrested these guys, and, and now they're witnessing to me. You know, he said, and, and he said, what's up? Kind of, he's kind of like, what's up with that, you know? And he says, but, you know, I, I look at these guys now, and, and they're not the same guys anymore. And it really wasn't prison that changed them, you know? And, and, and I got to, that's, that's the essence of it, right? That these guys were changed. The, the reason why the church matters it's because this is the community. This and every other church like it throughout the world, this is the community. It is the only community that is made up of people who have been changed by Christ and they now know him personally and you want to hear from him. That's powerful stuff. That's one of the reasons why you need to get church and be connected to church. It's one of the reasons why we should be ready to bring people into the church and connected with the church. It's the reason why we should be able to look a CEO in, in, the, in the eye who's making thousands of dollars an hour and say, there's nothing better than you can do with your time than to get connected with the church because it's priceless. Because it's only in the church that you can be connected to a community that knows God personally because they've been changed by God. The second thing that came up frequently was was you get to learn truth and et cetera. I mean, all of us understand, I think, at this point, you know, all of us in here are moving along our journey, and life confronts us with a lot of questions. You know, life hits us with, with all kinds of questions, and what seemed really black and white at one point now seems to have a lot of gray, and we're, you know, we, we thought we knew what, why am I here, and then all of a sudden it just seems to, you know, and, and what's supposed to be important to me, and how what should I do with my time, and et cetera, and and we've got all the stuff that sort of presses in on us. And it is in that context that people reach for answers. And the reason why the church matters, why we should direct people to the church, why we should be a part, is because it's in the church that we can find the truth that really answers the questions of life. Now, I've got to tell you, those those answers don't lie in my head or in my wisdom. They lie in the book. And one of the reasons why we encourage you to read it for yourself, study it for yourself, get in groups with other people who are doing the same thing, is because there's, it, is, it is a process of self-discovery. We'd love it if we could walk in the door on a Sunday morning, God unloaded all the answers to our top ten questions in life. We would never have to ask them again. We could walk out. But God's not interested in an event. God's interested in a relationship. And it's a journey that goes on as we move forward. But it's in the context of the church that explores the truth that we find the answers for life. You know, when Jesus made a great promise, he says, you know, and you will know the truth. And it's the truth that will set you free. And it's in the context of the church that we will learn how to be a holy nation. It's in the context of the church we'll learn how to be a chosen people. It's in the context of the church that we'll learn how to be God's very own 
possession. It's in the context of the church that we will be taught and encouraged and supported in proclaiming the praises of the one who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. The church is the place where we find the answers to life's questions because the church is seeking the answers from the one who created life. Here's a third thing I want to share with you. The reason why it's important to get connected, why this type of a community, and communities like it all around the world, really are the places where you want to build relationships, where you want to seek, seek uh, truth from. It's a place where you want to be connected to because this institution is the only institution in the entire world that is 100% compatible with God's purpose for your life. Now listen, there are a lot of great organizations in the world, and I'm glad that many of you are connected with them. You know, the United Way and the Red Cross and, you know, the, those kind of things. I've been serving on a school improvement council here in the town of Sterling for our little elementary school for, for about a decade. I keep trying to get myself fired, but I haven't been successful with that yet. They need a community rep on it, et cetera. You know, there are a lot of great organizations out there doing lots of good stuff, the boys' club and girls' clubs, and there's groups that are raising money to help people pay for their heating oil this winter, and the list goes on and on. Those are all great things. Those are great organizations. You can make it... But there's only one institution in the entire world that's 100% compatible with God's plan for your life, and that's the church. God tells us in the book of Ephesians that his agenda is that, that before he even spoke the very first molecule into existence, before he laid the earth's foundations, that he already had us in mind, and that he had settled on us, the focus of his love and his agenda was to make us whole and holy by his love. That's God's agenda. That's God's purpose for us, for us to be whole and for us to be holy. That's God's agenda for us. And then you turn around later and you read in the same book that it says that God gave some as apostles and teachers and evangelists da, 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 so for the equipping of for the word, so that we can all grow into the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. That the whole church is designed to actually function in such a way that its impact on us individually and corporately is actually to fulfill God's plan to make us holy and whole. This is the one group in the world that should, and I hope in this church does, have the exact same agenda for your life that God does, which is for you to be holy and whole. And it's the only institution that's 100% compatible with God's plan and his agenda for life. The other thing I'd say, and, and with this I'll, I'll close so we can have a few minutes to focus on, on the Lord's Supper as we remember the event that God did in order to create the church, which is he gave his son for us. The last thing I say, that the institution of the church, this wonderful body that we call Hope Chapel and lots of other churches like it across the world. It is the one place where you can plug in and as you serve, you can be confident that everything you do is going to make a difference for eternity. You know, the, the scripture says here that, you know, that we, we proclaim the praises of the one who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, that we're offering up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God and Spiritual there is a sense is not so much like it's animal sacrifices, but it's 
more an aspect of our lives, our soul, heart, but the, the idea that they're acceptable to God means that they last forever, that they're something that God embraces for all of eternity. And, and when you and I get around the church and we get connected with the church, everything we do makes a difference for eternity. You wonder, well, you know, yeast, you know, does that mean when I'm cleaning the toilets on Thursday morning in the ladies' room that that really makes a difference eternally? You know, well, I tell you what, if there's an unbelieving woman who shows up and the toilet is kind of smelly and everything else and they don't ever come back again, it really could make a difference eternally, right? And it does. I'm being a little graphic, but, but I, you know, it's interesting at the end of 1 Corinthians 15 where, where, where Paul is, is laying out all the wonderful things about the realities of the resurrection both for Christ and for us, he concludes with this thought. He says, therefore, throw yourselves into the work of the Master confident that nothing that you do for him is a waste of time. Anything that we do in the name of the master, because he's been resurrected and is ascended and sitting at the right hand of the Father, anything that we do in his name, none of it's wasted. It all makes a difference for eternity. So when you and I, when we heed Jesus' call, when he says, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good work, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Everything that we do in that context, it matters for eternity. Because it's in the midst of letting our light shine that the light that the darkness cannot cannot put out shines in the darkness. It's a powerful thing. And and isn't it incredible to to know that that every, every penny that you give, every moment that you invest, every relationship that you build, all that kind of, everything you do in the context of the church, it's all going to make a difference. And that's a wonderful thing to be able to say to somebody else as you're inviting them to get connected with a body to say, you know what, everything that you do in connection with is going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference for eternity. It's going to help the church display the light that leads to the gar- darkness. Now, the flip side of all of this is that, boy, oh boy, if that's what we're offering... And that's what God's intended. Boy, boy, we ought to be that as the church, right? God help us if, if, if our agenda really isn't to be a people who are changed because we know God personally. If our, if our agenda is anything else besides that, when we gather together as the church, we're, we're off task. You know, and, and if our agenda as we gather together is anything else but to open up this incredible gift of the truth that God's given us and explore it in such a way that it truly sets us free, then, then we're off task. If we're doing anything in our church life that's inconsistent with trying to make people whole and holy, we're, we're off task. And if we're doing anything that doesn't really matter, we're off task. God has created this wonderful institution called the church. So that when people reach out to us or we reach out to them and say, this is the place where you need to be, it really is the place where they need to be. Let's pray together. Guy, thank you for the way the church has been a blessing in my life. Over the years, just the connections and relationships, the things that I've learned, the opportunity I've had to serve, 
they've been a blessing. And it is through those that I've experienced the best of who you are. God, I pray that that would be a testimony that every single one of us could echo in this room. That we were changed because we met people who've been changed by God because they know Him personally. God, that we've been blessed as we found answers to the questions of life and been able to engage in things that make a difference for all eternity. God, that we have seen you work in us to make us whole and holy. God, make and keep Hope Chapel and all of us who comprise it that kind of church. We pray it in Jesus' name.